Thanks for being here. Yo, you know what's so interesting? Uh, We saw each other. I haven't seen you in probably like, what? I finished interviewing you like 2009, probably. 2007, you were on the show. Insider vibe days. Insider, Access Access, I think Access. E. I I remember coming to E. Yeah, for sure. So I was doing that. And so 2007, you're runner up to Jordan Sparks. Yeah. An American Idol. American Idol. Show is doing like 30 million people an episode. Yeah, Biggest show on television, right? Yeah. I want to talk about, because we see it now, it does 6 million and no disrespect, but it was on another level when you were on it. Yeah, I mean, it was a different time too. You it know? was. There it wasn't was. shows like it. I mean, it was the OG, you know. Contestant show like that. where So when you got, so when, where did you, there was five seasons before you. Where did you try out for American Idol? I tried out at home, Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, my friend drug me to it. I had, Drug, you didn't want to go? Never saw it and had no interest in being on the show at all. Okay, so you yeah. never saw it once? Never saw it once. And they dragged you to the audition? Yeah, my, I had a show the night before. My friend called me. I just got off stage. I had like a reunion with my acapella group from when I like first started becoming a professional. Uh And it was like a reunion. It was great. It was all good vibes. And then my friend called me and he's like, I might, what you doing tomorrow? He's Aussie. Uh And uh, I'm like uh, working on my album. I just quit my, I only had one full-time job in like seven years. And I was like, because I busted my ass to make a studio like this. Yeah. And, um, you know, had a big old loan and I was like, finally closed that loan. I was like, I'm making my first album. And uh, I was like, I'm working on music all day. And he's like, I'm picking you up at 5 a.m. and we're, we're going to audition for American Idol. I'm like, yeah, good luck with that, buddy. And I'm cool, you know? Uh-huh. And then I did so, and so I changed my life. So it changed your life. <laughs> so, I'm like, thanks, buddy, for dragging me to that. So you know? he dragged you. Did he make the cut the first cut? D- he didn't. So they did it weird. Like, <clears throat> uh, it's, it's tough to talk about this show because. It's such a can of worms, and I go off on tangents, so reel me in. No, no, I want you to go off on tangents. But it went down, like, so I had, so that night, because I was already downtown, he's like, go to Key Arena, sign up, I'll pick you up at, like, 5 a.m., I'll bring food, we'll have, like, whatever, and close homie, like, we worked together at a nightclub, like, great dude, great voice, we did karaoke together, so he was stoked. And I was like, dude, I have no interest in this. I thought they left already, because I guess they're there for a week, I had no idea, they're they come to your town for a week. It's not like they're there for a day. Yeah. You know, so I didn't know that. And, um, stood in the rain for four hours. You know, it was like the most cliche, gross Washington day, pouring, just dumping rain. Everyone was Starbucks and coffee in their hand. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, uh, because I signed up the night before, for some reason, the, the producer that does the whole cattle call inside Kiarina was like, well, we're doing it differently today. We're starting with the people who signed up last. So I was in and out. Even wow. though we waited for like four hours, he was there for 12. And I made it and he didn't. And I got I hitched a ride home because I saw another friend there that I'd known that was a jazz singer. So and what did your friend think, the one that dragged you there and didn't make it? I mean, he was happy for me. He was happy. Okay. So he's, he wasn't he's like, like oh, you're man. the professional, of course. You know what yeah. I mean? You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, yeah, that was, that was the, the beginning of the journey. And I was freaked out. I was like, uh, okay. 
You know, so I'm, man, I'm, and was... I had to call people and none of my friends watched it. Only I had two best friends, um, you know, that were in relationships and they, my best friend in the whole world had watched every season with his girlfriend. And he's like, all right, okay. These are things you can't do, you know, like, yeah. like, so when you got passed, there was no, like Simon and those guys weren't there at the time. That no. was just producers pass you that round. Right? Yeah. It's like, it's like five or four or five auditions before you get to Paula, Simon and Randy. And that's what they don't show. Yeah. You know, they, uh -huh. they show it like this, you know what I mean? Yeah. So right. Here's a cattle call. Here's, but they don't show like assistant producer, um, line producer, then getting to Nigel Lithgow, who really makes the call for you to go to Paul and Simon Randy. And he's really the, you know, back then was the guy that really picked the cast too. even uh -huh. in like Hollywood week, he'd be like going up to like Simon, like, we, uh, we, we should keep him you know uh, okay yeah all right so you're in front five rounds four rounds whatever it is you're in front of simon randy and paula yeah right mm -hmm. how is that like for you not wanting to even try out for the show and now you're in front of those three well it was i would say it was like the most nervous i got was actually in front of nigel because the people before me uh, like the producers were like, this is, you can't fuck up in front of this guy. I didn't care about Paula, Simon, Randy. I was like, I know the guy before them is actually the guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. The wizard, the Oz, you know, the, the man behind the curtains. Um, cause I know television. I just, I, I love production and I befriend every producer I can meet. I love that. So I was like, these are just celebrities over here, you know? You know, they're, they're the eyes that, you know, that America gets to see. And I, it was the worst, A, I, I don't audition. I'd never really auditioned before. So, and I don't get nervous. And I was stone cold nervous. And, and, and In I, front of I, Nigel. And I sang like this. I was like, dude. He's like, I like you, Blake, but that was shite, you know? And you can't do that in front of Paul Simon. And I was like, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. I was like, thank you, thank you. Thank and you. he still lets you go through, he even though he didn't like it. He's, he's like, I like your style. You got a good voice. You you look different than most people. Um, now, let's talk about your look. What was different about your look? Oh, man, I had just like the spikiest. I saw it. I saw I old mean, footage, yeah. I, I can't single-handedly say I started the, the faux hawk craze, but I was in like every barbershop at pitcher in super cuts you know as soon as i got on american Idol, which is hilarious but um all my friends all my friends that were beatboxers and singers they're like do not beatbox and i was like cool so i didn't prepare really anything for that and they have like your accolades so like paula simon randy already know who you are like yeah. when you're coming in they, like you know they got a brief and um i had already like i already had a number one in seattle radio with twista that I wrote, I wasn't on the track, but I wrote it. So all these things, you know, I performed with Jurassic Five and and Del the Funky Homo Sapien, and and you know, I'd already I was you already had a track beatbox yeah. you know, I already had like six years of being a professional and played a thousand shows before I was on American Idol. So and and Randy knew like all these people, and uh, you know, and I'm like, yeah, you know, all the things that they don't show on camera. Well, the, because you know? it makes you not look like you're new to the exactly, business. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. and that's what they want. They want the fresh face, and like you know, and not the veterans. But at the same time, they're like, we got to give people a fair opportunity Absolutely. and whatnot, which is great. And that's the only reason why I felt comfortable going forward. I was like, this is a live television show. Yeah, like there's not a lot of these out there, and if I say. 
you know, it becomes political, like in my mind, because I was anti-reality television at that show. I so like, everything about this show you're against, yeah, like really. And and spe- speaking of these shows, like you were on America's Got, Got Talent. Yeah. Right. That's the show that people were like, he should be on that show. Not American Idol. Yeah. Like, you no, know I what see. I mean? Like with the beatboxing and I do a one man show and I wanted to do that on American Idol. But at that time they weren't doing instruments. They wouldn't let you do it. And so to me, when as soon as I walked out the first audition door, I like called everyone. And I'm like, okay, what's the show about? Like, like, cause you never saw and it. And then I got on YouTube and my, and all, all the people came out of the woodwork. They're like, Oh my God. You know, like you made it once. Okay. Okay. Prepare you. So when I got to the, this like like the Paul Simon Randy and, and and the Hollywood like and getting past them I was like oh this is real like the universe God whatever is putting me here because and, I kept telling them no yeah because Randy asked me to beatbox like three times I said no I'm not here for that I'm sorry like I already have those accolades like this is a singing show I want to be represented I want to represent myself true to form which would be beatboxing. And then he, they're like, dude, you got to do it. Blah, blah, we won't show it, whatever. And so I do it, and then it becomes the clip. Yeah. And so it's funny. We're looking back on retrospect. It's like, you're like, oh, yeah, you're the beatbox guy, which I love that because it's an art form I highly respect and regard as super creative. And now there's a whole culture. Yes, it but is. But back then there wasn't. You no. Know? And that has due to I mean, social, beatboxing social the media. Time, and the first time I heard it was uh, Fat Boys way back in the day. Buffy. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So that's when I heard it uh, way back in the day. But I remember you doing it on there and it took off. It just exploded. Beatboxing just exploded again. You know what I mean? It was like uh, because it wasn't commercial. But at that mm. moment, you made it commercial again. It just I, I feel blessed and, and humbled that I got to perform and that was the thing was I'm a performer, I'm an entertainer and doing it live. We're doing, we're doing it live, you yeah. know? And that was the appeal because you could say, um, America, I love you, praise Jesus. And then you'll get the Christian vote. And then yeah, you, you, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Is that, you can manipulate you, live TV so yeah. many different ways. Well, and those producers are already manipulating behind the scenes too. So it, it was just like this like push and pull of like, what can I say? And to me, my only strategy on that show was just smile and say thank you. And that's all I did. Like, and and have the most fun ever. Like, I'd never really been to L.A. that way. And it was just instant stardom. And I hated that. Like, I don't like fame. I think, you know, I think it's funny. I like, I, I respect people. I love actors. I love, I love all this stuff. But we're all human. You know what yeah, I mean? But, but let me ask you this. How, because, I mean, we're skipping ahead a little bit. But literally, they show you the first episode. When did it hit that, oh, oh shoot, man. people know? Was it the trial or the no, first live it was, show? It, it was the... Because the show was when so they, massive. When they show the the audition, you know? See, that's how big that show was. It, Just it, auditions were making yeah. people famous. Well, I mean, you remember they did like the whole month of like... Yeah, it was a whole month of television or two months of just auditions mm-hmm. shown on TV. You know what I mean? That's crazy to even think about. Yeah, now. like uh-huh. I mean, and it was and it and a lot of those things were like vote for the worst and all the you yeah. know it's like the characters come out and, and, and they're gonna like show that, yeah. those people. You know what I mean? And it's like, I mean, yeah. 
it's just like it's like the two hands. It's like this is good TV. They're giving people a fair chance, but they're also exploiting. Of course, but know. that's television. And these yeah. people, it's not like they drag these people there. Right. They want it, and they know they yeah. can't sing. Yeah. yeah, they just want yeah, some yeah, fame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. William Hung knew he couldn't sing. There was some. There was some characters it goes in, in the ways. room when I when you know. Look, that my my best piece of advice when when people go the Hollywood route is they use you, so use them. Mm -hmm. Just know that when you're going in, they're gonna use whatever moment they want. Yeah. And you gotta you gotta be ready to take advantage of whatever moment they use. Right. And you, so it, it goes both ways. Yeah, 100%. And that's how I looked at it. I mean, that, like I was saying, my strategy was to smile, nod my head, even if I got bad critiques. Um, but the challenge for that show was like, okay, this is just a karaoke show. They're not even gonna let me play guitar or piano. Yeah. And, and the people in my cast were dope musicians too, like concert piano player, just everyone could like play an instrument. I was like, this is lame. Like we're just, we're just doing covers. I'm like, okay, well then I have to look at this as a remix competition. Mm -hmm. And so every night I was me and I would say both Chris's really took it seriously because they're both producers and songwriters mm -hmm. and I feel like we were like the first cast to arrange their own music. And I was fortunate enough that people liked my arrangements. Um, and I, and people are like, you're taking a risk. I'm like, no, to me, it's not a risk at all. It's like who I am. Like mm -hmm. I'm in hip hop and electronica, like EDM now, but uh, that's what I was doing. I listened, yeah. I played, I DJed, I played remixes. Like to me, it's like, all right, well, cool. I'm taking Bon Jovi, so, taking Bon Jovi and I'm making it halftime because that bass line is sexy at halftime. But, but know, was like the producers telling you not to do that? Oh yeah. They, I, I got a, a big fight with Nigel Lithgow, um, about time of the season, which was like one of my best moments. And he came in to the room. So basically like, I mean, I, I don't know what your weeks were like, but yeah. For American Idol at that time, they were like 18 hour days. Really? They were insane. They wouldn't let you leave. So it, you were basically held hostage at CBS because that's where they filmed. Um, you know, right by the Grove. We couldn't even leave to go to the Grove unchaperoned at like age 25. I'm like, am I grounded? I'm not 12. Yeah, like, but you're also famous too now. And they, and, but but this is before social media too. So they, yeah. did, they, they wanted you for their press and their press only. Gotcha. Like, but we snuck out and, we, you know, it, we were partying at what Ledoux and all these. Like, I know, right? Oh, that was my uh, jam. Oh, man, that was fun times. But, you know, for me, I would escape and go to the Hollywood Improv. We can get into that in a second because yeah. that was like my home um, to get away from everybody. Um, but those those days, it, it, we had arrangement days. And that's when you're like, you go in, you're like, this is the song I want. I'm going to arrange it. I did that the night before. Mm -hmm. I brought my, like, you know, my laptop. My uh, I brought a you know, guitar, piano and, and studio monitors and set up in our little apartment. And that's when I remixed my songs. So I would go in there. So I had the whole day off, but they wouldn't let me leave. So I bought like a skateboard and I listened to music and I skateboarded around CBS. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, that was like my me time, I guess. Yeah. This is the only time I could get away from people. And they're like, get a helmet. I'm like, I'm not getting a helmet. There's no one here. It's a parking lot. Like, yeah. But, um, there wasn't a lot of freedom, you know what I mean? And it just felt, it felt weird. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, well, let, let's, let's recap the moment though. You're on the biggest show in the world yeah. at the time. 
your talent that's moving along in the process and no disrespect to you, but any of the talent that's moving along, they're very protective of at that yeah. time. I'm sure they were just like that to Jordan Sparks. Right. Well, and actors and movies and, actors and, and, movies, and stuff, yeah. but those people getting paid. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, but I guess, I guess here's what's interesting about television. And I hear this about people on Saturday night live and different, those shows make you, mm -hmm. So they're kind of like that is your payment, right? Yeah, but 100%. then at the same Exposures. time, you're making you're making them a lot of viewers. But right. without that show, like this is what I noticed about the industry after American Idol, and it really came to light. Like a Kelly Clarkson, she always could sing, yeah. But you just need a platform, and then right. you realize how many talented people there are in the world. That just need the right exposure. It's a timing, it's exposure, opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I see people every day that I'm that blow my mind and I'm like crazy. Like And they'll never and they'll never mm -hmm. make it, probably because it's just about exposure. You know, like I, I have friends that are comedians that are great comedians, but until they have that one clip go viral, right. They can't sell a ticket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like one clip. I know one comedian, one clip has changed their life. Because yeah. they got like 60 70 100 million views yeah. but that one clip changed that person's life mm -hmm. but they were always funny right yeah you know it's just and that's what i see about american idol so you're riding around on a skateboard they're like yo helmet because <laughs> you know you make us a lot of money right you know and we're giving you a lot of exposure but my thing is if they locked you up when did you feel how big you were um because you said you snuck out well, but i'm sure you had free time sometimes right no 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 uh, only at the end of the day when when and then then you have that moment where the pressure sinks in so you're like constantly consumed you know what i mean you get home after like 16 18 hours like you just did something amazing like oh cool i just had an hour and a half conversation with quincy jones yeah and i get home and i'm just like oh my god and then robin williams calls me on the phone and then the next day i meet bono and it's just like insane wait robin time. williams called you on the phone Here, um, yeah. he yeah. called you on the phone yeah yeah well that's that's like a whole nother story like i was on set for because back then you could do the ford music videos if yeah. you're on the show yeah. and i'm a beatboxer because of robin williams like and people are like what and so when i tell them that i go on the story which is i was obsessed with mork and mindy and you know he's like <laughs> Yeah, you know, doing all these sound effects, and I was, you know, enamored as a child. And then, you know, then Michael Winslow, Police Academies, and and Michael Jackson, you know, like percussive things. So that's where it started. It started with my affinity with comics, you know, and and so I I'm a huge comic fan. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I'm so stoked to yeah. be chatting with you. Oh in, in this, man, I appreciate you know it. what I mean, and seeing you out. It's amazing. Um, so. Yeah, like uh, I told a producer that, and oh, she's like, oh yeah, I did what dreams may come, and I was like, I fucking love that movie. Uh -huh. And you know, two hours later go by, and she just hands me a phone, and he's like, hey Blake, you bastard, what's going on? You know, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm like about to cry, you know, and he's like, my daughter's a f huge fan of yours, and then like so, like just going back to the mindset, just to bring it back around. I couldn't, I didn't even remember he called me on my phone like a month later, but my friend Ginger Gonzaga and I were in my, our, my apartment. Do you know Ginger? She's, no. She's stand up. She's uh she's on She-Hulk right now, but okay. she's an amazing actress and stand up and improviser. But 
uh, we were like dating at that time. And she, and she's like, do you remember when Robin called you and you put him on speaker and we were just, and I was like, no, like so much happened in such a short, period in such a, like, it's, it's like I lived a lifetime in a year. You know what I mean? It was like, it was so surreal. Every day was like a blessing. And so that's why going back to, you know, we're going far as exposure mm -hmm. and opportunity. And like when people ask me, it's like the most bittersweet year of my life because the entire time until the last week of the show was like the best experience I've ever had. And the last week of the show was like the worst experience I've Why? ever had. Why? Because you lost? It's it's because they wouldn't let me be myself in the competition. So the mm. the entire time I was on the show, I was being myself 100%. And then the last week, the moment Melinda got voted off, mm -hmm. they're like, Blake, we're not allowing you to arrange your music. And why? What, did they and the song, why? the song was written for Jordan Sparks, and they wouldn't let me arrange it. They're like, there's not enough time. I was like, I literally can arrange this in like 30 minutes. At, and that's max. I Wait, do how do you know the song was written for Jordan Sparks? Because I talked to the songwriters. And they're oh. like, yeah, we wrote this for Jordan. But they gave it to you. No, the, you, I was forced to sing oh, it. Oh, y'all both was like, had to sing the same say, song. Yeah. That's right in the end because y'all come out. And, and so my yes. entire like happiness was like, and the pressure finally caught up to me. And I didn't, they, they had like a therapist on staff or whatever and you can talk to them anytime and i didn't know what depression or anxiety or like a panic attack was i never had one before mm -hmm. and that whole week was like a panic attack like my dad was like what's wrong with you because you knew you weren't going to perform well i just knew i was already fucked because the song I, i'm not a balladeer like i can if it's yeah. if it's written for me and it was it was in a, in a bad key any way i put it in the key um, they wouldn't let me do it. And I would have made that song totally different and fun for me. You know what I mean? And that's what we what should. made you stand out the whole right. Time. And now they write a song for each person. That's like the top three, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and so, so let me ask you this. Why, I, why in the finals, not to cut you off, why in the finals did they write a song? Did y'all sing a song for you too? Y'all both no. have, it was just Jordan's song. Yeah, but it wasn't called Jordan song. You know no, what I mean? It was I, no, like, no, I got you. it was got called you. this, you know, this is my now. This and it was just yeah. so terrible. And, uh, and you know, it was just, it was so crazy. And in that moment that I told him, I, I did the whole like Tom Cruise, like scene, uh, screw you, screw you. I told all the producers to F off and I walked out the room. Um, and that began my, that last week. But at that same time, I got to bring my boy Dougie Fresh to American Idol and ex put hip hop on American Idol for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's, and that changed people's lives. Like I have beatboxers that come up to me like you and Dougie on that. That's when they saw it. Like that's their first time they that's saw the that. first time they saw beatboxing. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's such a, like a uh, bittersweet ah, because yeah. a, I didn't want to be an American Idol, but I wanted to lose on my terms. You know, had, had I did the arrangement and I still lost, I would have been like, Hell yes, because I did not want to win American Idol. I I don't I don't believe in false idols. I don't like I don't like that title, and it's so weird. So I've I had this. Wait, but I at had the moment you would have took it though if they gave it to you. Come no, on now. Now here's the thing. Oh Blake, I, come on Blake. I wore a vote for Jordan Sparks T-shirt in the finale, and they made me take it off because I was gonna drop Mike in the middle of that song. But I bit my tongue. I sang the whole song. 
um, because I didn't want to get my friend fired who dressed me like, mm. and now he's a famous designer, you know? So it was like such a weird struggle between like heart, head and, and like politics. So let me ask you this. Jordan Sparks wins the show. You're famous now in the streets. Everybody knows who you are. Globally. Globally. showed in 40 countries. And I didn't even know that. They didn't tell us that at the time. It's like, oh, yeah, it's in Japan and London and Spain. Like, you know. So what happens right after American Idol for you? Like at where cameras don't oh, see. What it, happened? I mean, it, the, the whirlwind continues like I'm stepping off stage and Clive Davis is like I'll see you in my office Monday and I and, you know that was like the dream to get signed by him because at the time he had Alicia Keys and yep. Maroon 5 Maroon 5 yep and Maroon 5 were homies like the reason why I got to sing Maroon 5 on American Idol is because I reached out to Adam and I was like hey and he wouldn't let anyone sing their songs except for me so I was getting shout outs because I because I was blowing them up in Seattle before they were huge you know what Got I mean? Yeah. So I've known those guys in James and, and, and three eleven. My yep. homie Nick Hexham now, you know, and he was like, well, "You can sing our songs only if it's that beatbox guy." You know what I mean? So I was getting love from the industry, from my like peers, and I can say peers now, but like heroes at the yeah. you know what I mean? The people that inspired me. So it was such it was an amazing amazing experience okay you so know. you step off stage clive davis office but i want to know like weeks after what are you doing like it did clive davis pick it you up three or? weeks of non-stop press i immediately press. um curtain close everyone go, goes home from kodak i mean it was kodak at the time yeah kodak right? theater and 3 a.m yeah east coast uh you know morning show what you know you just like phone calls like remote you know yeah you know all the promo yep, all yep, that stuff yep. for hours like dead tired for like three weeks straight i was just dead tired of just promo promo went to new york for a week you know did, did good morning america you go to new did york. the view did regis and kelly did you know it did all the things did all okay magazine this magazine that magazine it was it was insane i was so like, now Whoa. so now when you're on the street people losing their minds for you crazy crazy yeah and that was, I mean, it's so overwhelming, you know, and it's, it's, it's positively overwhelming when it's nice. And then it's like terrible when you have like drunks coming up to you and they, you feel like you, they, they feel like you owe them something because they voted for you. So all of a sudden you're a politician. It's so, it's such a weird thing. The whole voting show thing, you get off and people are like, I voted for you, man. Don't be, don't disrespect. You know, it's like, whoa, 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 dude. They feel like they own you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really weird. I had this dude almost like, like deck me because I, you know, his, his girl was like in like, just like <laughs> in my face. And I was like, can you please scoot back? He's like, would you say to my girl? I'm like, oh my God. Like, yeah. you know, stuff like that. I had a girl faint inside a cheesecake factory. Like, oh my God. I was like, what is this? I'm just me. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? It was, it was. It's just, it was weird. Because you, you know? go from zero to a hundred. Yeah, I had show. a bodyguard for like a month. Crazy. Was that, what was, did you ever feel in danger? Because I used to be with the Kardashians when they blew up. Yeah. And literally I would see people almost rip doors down to meet those girls. Did you yeah. ever feel in danger though? Were you ever? Uh, no, 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 okay. no, 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 uh, maybe one time at a bar. Mm -hmm. But, but also that bar had my back. It was like my home, okay. home bar. And like, 
they're all like UFC fighter security guards. Okay, there you <laughs> so go. I wasn't scared, right? but I was I was like, I might get hit, but it's not going to look good for the other guy. You know what I mean? Well, let's let's be brutally honest here. You go from this high of American Idol. Let me ask you this: What was the highest high and the lowest low during that time? Because the only reason I ask you this is because I remember interviewing Justin Timberlake at the height. I believe he was still in NSYNC or just breaking off with NSYNC. And this is probably like 20 years ago, man, like mm -hmm. at least that long. And I go, we were having a conversation. I go, um, he said something. I don't know how it came up, but I asked him a question and he goes, oh, I go, it must be crazy. To, it must be so cool to have all these people around you all the time. I said something like that. And he goes, I've never felt the loneliest that I have with so many people around. Like, because yeah. it's interesting how you can have millions of people be fans, million people to be around you, but you're alone. Mm -hmm. Did you ever feel that? Uh, yeah, but I kind of thrive on, I think it's the introvert of me. Like I'm a, I'm so 50, 50 when yeah. it comes to that. Like when I go out the door, I'm an extrovert. When I'm inside, I'm an, you know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of thing. And the pandemic reassessed that, but yeah, I definitely felt alone because I didn't know what depression was. Yeah. And I didn't know you could just like, uh, besides my best friend who was like a psych major, like he could like hear me in three sentences. So I would be on the phone like, dude, blah, blah, yeah. blah. and he's like, calm down, you know? Like, yeah, calm Shh. Down. <laughs> and uh, so, but he's like, you need to see a therapist. And I didn't, you know, it took a decade to go to realize like, oh yeah, I need to see a therapist for all this stuff. Um, and um, because at the outside, when you say you need to see a therapist, we're like, oh, it's a great show. You had a lot of fun. You got famous off of it. Yeah. Like that's how the outside world sees it. Yeah. Perceptions. But when you're, of, when you're in it, it's, yeah. it's like crazy. So like going back to my question, the highest high and the lowest low during that time. I mean, I would say the highest high. I played the 100th anniversary of the ball drop New York's on New yeah. Year's Eve with, you know, all the Fox family and I, I partied with freaking Kid Rock and Pamela Anderson and, and my girl Haley and my band at the time I got, we had champagne in our hands and we were with like the head, not X D E A uh, like field officer. He was like the, the commando uh -huh. dude. And we were just smoking joints around him. He's like, those aren't drugs. He's like, let me tell you my Columbia story. Yeah, you know, right. And, yeah, in, and so are with him. And at the end of the night, you know, New York is closed down and it's like 2 a.m. And my band and I, we have champagne and we're like this. And there's like a bunch of cops. And I'm like, thank you for your service. And my dumbass jumps on a, like a moving, like police bedded, uh, like picking, they're like picking up like the barriers yes. from all the crazy. Cause it was like, 1.5 million people and mm -hmm. performed in front of basically, yeah. you know what I mean? And then, and that was live. That was not this, not, not even the television, television yeah. numbers. You know what I mean? So it was, it was crazy. I jumped on it. They were like, ha ha. But then my bassist jumped on it too. And then he escalated and this massive cop came over and just picked me up. Like it was nothing. He was like, and then my tour manager got in his face. Do you know who he is? It was, it was crazy. And I was just laughing. I was just like, I was just like, thank you for your service. I'm having the best <laughs> night. And he's like, I can't do anything to this. He's actually, right? he's actually, and, and, and you know what I mean? Yeah. But I almost got masked by all the NYPD, you know? Okay. So that was like a, that's a high, high though. It's a cra it's a crazy, it's crazy story. I mean, that wasn't even the whole night. I can yeah. go into the whole night, but, um, a night I shouldn't remember. I remember yeah. all of it. You know what I mean? So there's those, those fun moments, but I mean the highs of the show, just like meeting my idols and yeah. 
you know, and actually having amazing conversations with them. Um, and you know, those are, and Robin, like, yeah, that's to the grave. You know what I mean? So uh, there were so many of them. I can't count them, you know? Yeah. And, but the lowest lows was <clears throat> besides going to like the improv, uh, and meeting so many comics that I, I love. And I became like, I walked in and it was Norm McDonald, yes. Swartzen. Um, do you remember the show Boston Commons? I do. Okay, that comic. I forget his name. Yeah. Um, and meeting. So obviously these meeting, comics knew who you were because American. Well, I walked ever. into the improv and they were watching me <laughs> at the bar, dude. That's and they, hilarious. and like Swartzen bought me a drink and then he and I became friends and then I met other amazing people through him. And so that was kind of like my safe place. Cause I, yeah. I, I didn't tell any of the Id other idol people to come with me or anything. Oh, good I, for you. I went by myself, you know what I mean? And snuck out and I, I, you know, cause I needed that. I needed like the most like cynics and like in that, in one room, like the people that are going to sh shoot you straight, yeah. you know, and not just blow smoke are going to be in that room. You know 100%. what I mean? And that's where I wanted to be. Um, to keep me grounded. You go from being on this show. Did Clive offer you a record deal? I mean, it's already written the contract. Like, basically, 19, who owns American Idol, they own you. So they everyone signs the same contract. And in that contract, it's all options. So if you're first place, you get this much money, and you're signed to their record label. And you're also signed to them as management. So they're, like, double dipping immediately mm -hmm. as soon as you get off the show, if they choose you. If and they, they choose choose Jordan and I. She went to Jive. I went to Clive and RCA. Her people did a great job for her, like, marketing and stuff. And the managed, like, Ian, I love him to death. He was, like, the main main guy at, at 19. And we're gonna, he's like, we're going to do great things for you. But he was running the company. And so my day-to-day -day was just like his assistant who wasn't really a manager. And then they had their publicist kind of be their manager too. And he was not a manager. But, but those same people weren't Jordans? No. So they were, but so there was like, he ran the thing and then there was other managers. She ended gotcha. up getting a manager and uh, I had the main guy because they're like, you're going to, you're going to blow up. You're going to do this. Uh -huh. But he was too busy doing other things. And I needed I needed a personal person yeah. at that time, definitely because I'm I micromanage everything in my career, and I was like I don't want to represent my, now that I'm out here I can represent myself 100. percent Nope, because you're signed to a record label, you're just a cog because you're on a television show, and they know how much you're going to make already. They're like, oh, this guy's a couple mil. They already know. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah, they yeah. have the numbers. Just like the produce, like within the first two weeks of American Idol, they already know who's going to win. Because they get the numbers. They already see who's voting. Who's popping. And that, that doesn't change. Like that, the curves of that up and down by who's, you know. Yeah. That probably doesn't change that much. I mean, probably same with like voting for the president and stuff. Like, but, you know but, what I mean? But, but what you can say is that even though they think they know who's going to win, they're still, those people still getting the most votes. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, because yeah. when it comes down to it, like you said, if they do this big vote, and you and Jordan get more votes than anybody that's two weeks, three weeks in, mm. another person has to do something drastically drastic to pop more than y'all. Yeah, so, or someone's yeah. got to fail drastically too. Fail drastically. Yeah, yeah like, like fall just on totally their face. Bomb. Yeah. At, yeah, so, drop I mean, an F-bomb or something. It's I like, game over. I don't want miss people to take this for it's, it's fixed. It's just... 
they have signs to tell who's going to make it to the right. End. So, and I'm saying that even with like just going into the record label, they already know. Yeah. They already know. Like, oh, how can we leverage the votes to Got album you. sales? You know Got what I mean. Uh -huh. So they have kind of their analytics for that, and so. And especially 19 when they're like, so I got points on my album. I got a great payday. I bought a house. Unfortunately, the month before the short sale crash, the 2008. Oh my God. And I lost my house yeah. like almost immediately. All the money that I got on American Idol. So you're talking ups and downs. I'm trying to get to the downs because yeah. my down was down. I got so depressed. I was drinking like two bottles of wine every night smoking weed, having panic attacks, like breathing into pillows, not knowing what was going on. I didn't know that that was a panic attack. And I, and I'm a runner. So like, cause I, I came back home because I didn't like LA. I didn't have any friends there. Like when I was there, I felt super alone going back to that. And so I went back to Washington, but when I went back to Washington, I was so alone. I didn't even tell people I was in Washington. I bought this house. I didn't invite people over. My drummer and his girlfriend were my roommates, and then and then I had like a little mother's-in-law, and I had another friend in there that was that I was taking care of, who was like trying to get off heroin, and so you know who had a kid. So I'm like trying. I'm I'm such an energy giver that I had depleted all of my own energy, and I was still giving to people, and especially when you're famous, they want more from you. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. You know, my friend that I, I got him sober, like, but you know, I'm never going to see the money that I got yeah. him to get him sober. But like, I, I did a good deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like happy about that. But at that time, people didn't know, like my roommates didn't, like my best friend didn't know I was depressed because even though I was saying I, all these things out loud, my demeanor and I'm always happy go lucky. And I'm yeah. like, what's up? You know what I mean? Because genuinely like deep down, I'm that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, you want to give out the positive energy, the, the, even if you're hurting inside. Yeah, my heart is always full. Well, you're a comic almost. It's like a you're a clown. Well, yeah. like the mask. Yeah, like for you're, sure. You're depressed 100%. inside, but when you're on stage, you got to make people laugh. Exactly, know? and I try and do that in my show too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I throw jokes in there and stuff, and and what I, I bring up people and I make fun of people and and kind of mm -hmm. you know crowd work. You know what yeah. I mean? I think my show when you come to see me, it's like if I have my band, it's cool, but then there's like a half hour where I do my one man show and I bring people up and I make songs out of them. I do improv. I'm like, what do you want to hear? You want a country song? Here's one. Well, you know, and I go into it, you know what I mean? So I love improv. Um, but so, so you buy a house, the market crashes in 2008. Do you buy the house in LA? No, it's in Washington. So, so, it's like then, a diamond in the rough. It's like, how, how does this house exist? It's like, it was like three stories with another house with a, like next door that there was no, it was just four houses and there was like a football field, a little river with a bend and I had a pond and it was like, it was dumb. Yeah. And had I waited like six months, I probably would have got that house for half and I probably would still live in Washington to this day yeah. or I would rent it out or something. And had I been smart about it then, I would have just had like six roommates and then had them pay the mortgage and then got a little, you know, yeah, uh, like uh, it's just well, one got, bedroom in California. Yeah, yeah, no, you live yeah, and learn, man. Yeah, well, it's weird because I used to be so instinctual, and American Idol took that away from me because of all the yes people and in the record labels and being the cog. And I'm I made an album I'm proud of. Um, it was basically Ryan Tedder of One Republic yep. and I made an album. Um, and some other amazing songwriters, Sam and Sluggo. Sam's like still homie today. Um, 
who I talked to like once a month. So I had this amazing opportunity, you know, uh, and, and it was just a great time, you know, cause I got to be creative. Um, but it wasn't like a hundred percent me. And I'm like, so that person, I'm an only child. I like want to do everything. Yeah. I don't like asking people for help. So that's where like the depression just got, it got worse and worse. And that's when I, I had a tour, um, I, like a year after my album came out, like I was with CAA, Jeff Frasco put, put me to like some other agent in the building who did not care about me. You know, they didn't care about that. I do voiceover and I've done video games and like cartoons and they didn't care. And that's like my other passion. Like I'm, I'm a, I would say I take vocals to an extreme level. I do it in every way, shape or form, singing, beatboxing, voiceover. So do you feel you were just paired with the wrong people out of America? Oh my God. Yeah. Like Clive Davis apologized to me because when my album came out, like most record companies, they're smart and they, and they'll send that album out a month later to program directors Yeah, and they'd be like, what tests well in your market? Clive just put my album out and he was the notorious tester in the business. Yeah. And he's like, this is the single it's, it's breaking. And I was like, that's not the single. I had Lupe fiasco on my album, a call out record with a dope, the dopest rapper at the time, number three on billboard, yep. ready to do the music video. And Clive Davis just threw it out. It didn't work. He got fired. Then they fired me. Clive Davis got fired. Yeah. I didn't know he got fired. Yeah. I mean, because everyone just walked around eggshells. Here's this 80 year old who, yeah. he, who just, I'm just a kid from a television show. He knows he's going to make money, you know, and the way that they had it, like I already had six songs done with Ryan, but my management and Ryan was like, don't tell Clive Davis that you have anything done. Just let him think that he's picking the songs. Got you. I'm like, that's such bullshit. Yeah. And so I had to bite my tongue and the, and there's, there's only two times that I bite my tongue and it, it bit me in the ass because it should have been like no loop. Um, I'd be like, sorry, Clive, you're wrong. This is Lupe fiasco. Here's why it brings me into the, this urban market where I can do hooks for all these rappers now. Yeah. You know, but I bit my tongue mm -hmm. because my management was with me, you know, in Ryan, you know, he, he, he was one, one Republic apologize. And my single came out the same week. You know what I mean? Ryan Tedder wasn't Ryan Tedder then. And he was, that, he was, was working the for them. You know, what was I mean? that the one without uh, Timberland though? Cause the, is, isn't the Ryan Tedder apologize didn't work until Timberland. They put it like, no, it worked. It just was that Timberland put it on his album. And that's what and he, he, and he said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. And the, and the beat was a little, Bit, but it wasn't that much different than no, the it, album version at no, all. You know what not, I mean? It was just like. But the song was not a, it, it got really discovered on Timberland. Right. It was on MySpace for like four years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, was and out it didn't there. blow up and then Timberland put it but out. But Ryan had just produced J-Lo. Yeah. He, He's a while beast. I was doing my album, he did Halo and I got to go to that session. Like I watched Beyonce sing one take that? of halo it's great but that was it i was just like hi and then he's like all right you got to get out she doesn't like people here yeah but i got to do that you know what i mean and <clears throat> you know constant people coming in and out of these amazing studios that i dreamed as a kid to be in so the aftermath of that was great but like leading up to i had two days off in one year that the american idol year i had two days off and it was christmas 
and Vegas actually. I came I came here uh-huh. too and had a, a wild night. Um, but it was crazy. And you know, the next year was like it was like the best year of my life leading to the worst year of my life. Because now American Idol starts back up. They got a new right. crop. Yeah. So if you haven't popped in that year, yeah, you kind of get put. I came back sh- with my second single, which was, you know, kind of, uh, one of my favorite songs I've ever written. But it was like, it was just like a weird. It was a weird vibe. Like the, it was just weird being back. It was just, it was, it was just, it was even more surreal than the first time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, whoa, this is so strange. Like mm-hmm. because all these other things were happening now, and it was, it was overwhelming because that year because then i was became the clown because mm-hmm. i was just putting on this smile that was fake even though and then i felt bad about it you feel guilt because this opportunity has blessed your life and you feel like shit mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it's just like yeah cool like the normal blake oh it's blake he's still blake but underneath i was just a wreck um and that whole year like the clive thing biting tongue house taxes yeah all, all because i was in a new tax bracket because i you know was just a regular musician not making that much money to fame and money and then losing the house which was all the money i had and yeah. then the tax man came and was like oh, yo where's our money and just bad business i didn't know what i was doing and and i it, the, the one thing i regret is like i wasn't like on because i wasn't being honest with myself i think i wasn't honest with my family and i've always been honest with my parents like since growing up, we have an amazing relationship, super uh-huh. open. I'll tell them to fuck off. They'll tell me to fuck off. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, um, they're very two brash, honest humans and I love yep. them so much. I love them. And, uh, so that's how they taught me to be, uh, whether they like it or not, you know? And, um, I wasn't, t- I wasn't, you know, I was just saying, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. I got money in the bank. I'm all right. You know what I mean? Whereas like, my dad would have been like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I pushed everyone away and that's not like me at all. Um, and then that tour was a big wake up call when the CAA put me on this tour where they didn't even vet the venues that I was playing. And I, and I have like the American Idol audience coming to these shitty, I'm talking like puke and glass on the floor venues mm. to come to my show you know, with my full band and like tour bus and all this stuff and not, not promoted because my album came out like a year before almost. It was like 10 yeah. months before. It's like when the album comes out, you should be on tour. hundred percent. They wouldn't put me out opening. I'm like, you can't get me opening for anyone. I just played a stadium with the Jonas brothers and, and one Republic. Like I could open for one Republic, but they're opening for people too. And Jordan's opening for, Britney Spears and and all these people I'm like yeah she won but like I've sold as many records as her you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I don't get I don't get why I'm not getting these opportunities to actually start my career like American Idol was the liftoff of all time and you have to ride that wave you do and you gotta take advantage and this agency and this management were putting me in these weird I was just like what is going on like I don't want this isn't my career you know so I fired everybody but I, under contract, I couldn't really fire anybody for like two years. So you had to write it out. Yeah. And, and, and then they finally put me with Leslie, who was my manager and she, she helped me. She like kind of helped pave the path, but they're like, you got to make another album ASAP. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's insane. Like I didn't even get to tour this. I'm so like, 
it was such a rocky start, you know, after the whole American Idol experience. It was crazy. Did it leave, is there a lot of bad taste in your mouth about it now? You know, like I said, it's bittersweet because it's hard to, it sucks because everyone focus on negativity. Yeah. You know, like there's a million comments Posi- that are yeah. positive and that one is just like, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and so it's tough, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think the producers of American Idol could have handled things better. I think they could have let me at least go out on my own terms. I wish that happened, you know. Say la vie, as my yeah. mom says. What are you yeah. gonna do? It's in the past, um, you know. And then people ask those hypothetical questions, like, "What would you, you know, like if it went this way?" I'm like, "Who knows? Like, who knows? You don't know. Who knows if I would never been on that show? Would I be here talking to you about, yeah. you know, about something else, you know?" Um, but yeah, that 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 first year after American Idol was like, it was such a struggle. And and so what I I ran away to to Cali. I was like, I gotta be in L.A. because everyone's like, you gotta be in L.A. like. The reason why you failed is because you were in Washington. I was like, that is not a reason. Location is not a reason why you fail. Like I was still working, you know? Um, so I came to LA and those first two years were like total struggle. But I like, I was like, okay, I need to get healthy mind, body, and soul. I started working out. You know, I started like running and just like trying to find my chi and, and yeah. you know, all that stuff. And so, um, and that's where I met, my friend Michael Rosenbaum, who I started playing softball and, and football and volleyball every Sunday and met our mutual friend, Tommy Caprio. Yep. And 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 Jackie Marafuji. They say hello, by oh, the way. Oh my god. And they're here now. They just moved here a week ago. To Vegas? Yeah, buddy. Shut up. Yeah. They're down the road. They're in summer. Oh my I gotta call them. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. I'm gonna get lunch maybe with Tommy after this if you want to join. Oh, you're busy. It's, I got I got more podcasts. Yeah, yeah, this is my yeah. busy. But man, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. We've heard the backstory of you. Where is Blake today? Mm. Mentally, physically, oh, music. I'm, man, I'm good right now. Yeah. I mean, I just lost 35 pounds. I did therapy for Alex you. here. Just lost 25. Hey, get it. Just lost 25 pounds. Dope. Feeling good. Yeah, man. So, and that life perspective is, is completely different. I mean, that was like 15 years ago. You know what I mean? The pandemic did bring the depression back a little bit because of the situation. I was on tour and I was just came out with that album that's behind you right before the pandemic hit. Right. That's right. Wonderless unknown. And then boom, Um, the pandemic hit. Yeah. I I mean, right before the pandemic, I basically made two albums and then I produced two different artists. So like my cup hath runneth over. Like I was like, all right, now I can relax. I'm going on tour. Now I can focus on this four month tour. And then halfway through the tour, boom, COVID. Mm. And I just moved all my stuff into storage, everything. Cause you were going to be gone because Why I was going to be gone. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to pay rent. And my homie Elliot, who I was living with was having a baby and he was going to sell that house. So I was like, Oh, this is just like perfect timing. Like I I've had, I had this tour on schedule for like almost a year and a half, all theaters, all people from, Pitch Perfect and the Sing Off shows, me doing my one man show, hosting hosting this amazing talent pool of singers, yeah. which is great, and bringing me back to my roots because that's where I started, you know, beatboxing and acapella and vocal percussion. So I was like, this is great. This is like full circle moment. And then, um, bam, COVID. My best friend had a liver transplant. Um, like right that, my homie had his baby. I went to Cali for a week. I drove all the way back to home to Seattle. Lived with my best friend, took care of him. 
best three months of recovery because we couldn't leave the house. We yeah. just like watched movies, had deep convos, took our dogs for a walk. I never lived with my best friend before, so it was great. It was just kind of perfect timing. He found the woman of his dreams. He sold that house. I helped him fix his up his house. So it was like it was like a great year, but also depression because all my stuff was in storage. I didn't have my studio. I didn't, and so I was, and so I started getting depressed again. Kind of having a relationship long distance with someone that and that I kind of ruined because of circumstance. I like broke it off, and we should have just been friends. And uh-huh. now we're not friends, and that's my I I put the blame on me, but we wouldn't have worked anyway as a couple or anything, but. Long story long, uh, I was planning on coming to Vegas for like three years. I was like, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. I put my stuff in storage. I was like, oh, it's happening. My drummer and music partner, I have a band called The Private Language. We just got signed during the pandemic um, to a record label called Black Hole, which is like Tiesto's old label, okay. like the, the label he started. And, um, you know, so I was like, this is amazing. I just got, it's the first time I've been signed in like, a decade, you know what I mean? Um, and I've been signed to so many things and I was really apprehensive, but I was like, Oh, this is a partnership. This is like a 50, 50 thing. This is great. And so now we're just, you know, I work with him two days a week when he's not with his band in the UK. Um, you know, he's gone like a month at a time. I'm gone for a tour a month at a time. Um, but the turnaround was like, okay, cool. Pandemic and starting over in a new town. This is going to be a challenge. Yeah. And I have to approach it in a positive way, how am I going to be successful? The first six months here were really tough because. Well, that was still during the pandemic. You really yeah. couldn't go out. Couldn't go or out. Do, or meet people. No companies were here. I do like corporate events to yeah. make money. I do like niche performance. I love building something fun for brands. Like, I mean, I've played Ford, Coca-Cola, like name a drug company. And I yeah. just played a, a, a steel company that supplies like 50% of the steel to all of America. It's just random things. But I love doing these niche performances where I become the music director. I do like, like I said, I'll bring up like the president on stage and like make a song out of the president of a company's, you know, that's like, I love that. Some people hate corporate gigs. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, show me the money and fun. Like, yeah. I like, let's get, you know, cause everyone's just trying to put their hair down and like have fun when they're doing those kind of events too. You know, they're like, when's the five o'clock roll around so they can drink at the free bar and, right. and, and have a performance. So I love being that guy. Um, and so I came here for that because this is like every corporation oh. comes here. I mean, I'm sure you've done those gigs. Like yeah. you're like, everybody comes to these know, convention centers and everything. I it's know. Like, so I was like, Vegas is it. Like I have uh, some great friends here. It wasn't like LA where I didn't really know anyone. So I was like, okay, I got some great friends, amazing DJs, um, hosts and, and, and okay. I got to network again in a new city. And that's the tough thing. It's like getting the right people. It is, you know, cause I want the Blake Lewis show. I want my marquee. Yeah fun experience because I have all these ideas to do like an amazing one man show um, you know and what's that through line and timeline and like how to get that off the ground and do something in this town and I've done things I just played Delilah and that was fun and that's like the premier jest but you're like wallpaper there you know what I mean it's not like but it was like LeBron James saw me perform you know what I mean it was like who's going to be in that room that night you know and that like my homies at the uh, the barbershop like they just had Bruno and Anderson came out and I could have rocked with them you know what I mean like those things happen here which is cool because that's like the LA vibe like people from LA are coming here you know and Vegas is in a transitional time I'm in a transitional time like um you know Where's my place here? Well, yeah, I I think like when I first moved here, it was like, where's my place? Where's my place? I found the comedy cellar Mm -hmm. and like, that's my place. When I'm in town, like tonight, I'll be at the comedy cellar for three weeks in a row. 
just practicing because I love it. Dope. I'm a come. And, and then and then I'll go tour. Yeah. You know, so I found my home and that's what it is. Once you find like your place here, mm. oh, it's freaking magical. Yeah. Man. It's freaking magical because there is no other town. Me and my me and my wife last night, my my dad turned 78. They just left today, but we Happy went to birthday, the Cosmo, man. had dinner, an amazing dinner, yeah. and a place where people wait all year to go to. Yeah. You know, that's their vacation. <laughs> yeah, Vegas, yeah. Cosmo, whatever. Mm -hmm. We pop in, have dinner. We're back home. Back home. Like, yeah. so that's what's so magical about this city. Yeah. This is a place where people come to vacation and yeah. live here. And that's it's, what's great. It's full on. There's so yeah. much in this. It's the tiniest town. Yep. I run into people all the time. I ran, I was at Herbs and Rye last night, ran into a guitarist that plays with Slash. And I see him every week. And I just, I met him like three months ago from a mutual friend. And he's like helping me like sell my guitars online and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like, this is great. And the one thing I noticed about this town is like, everyone's happy and they're like not competing with each other. Whereas like LA, everyone is so like. But you know what I think it is? It's because. It's like overwhelming. Because I think once you find your place. You're happy. Like once you yeah. find your thing in Vegas, yeah. you're happy because everybody finds their thing. Where in LA, everybody's going for the same thing. Yeah, hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's, yeah. I, I tell everybody this, and Alex has heard this. Every a ego's times. competing. Every ego's competing, and Alex heard this a million times. It's like if everybody's working in the same restaurant, <laughs> and everybody's trying to be the general manager. Of everyone's that trying to upsell. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> trying to, and all the talk is how's the burgers, how the fries, how do you, yeah. who's on fries, who's on burgers, who's on this, who's on that, who's the manager, I need to get to manage. So yeah. the conversation where Vegas, once you perform, or if you're in the industry, nobody cares yeah. outside your. Yeah, and if you have your own thing already, you're not, yeah. you're not competing with that person. So they're like willing to. The to just open. to be like, oh yeah, you should know this guy. You should know yeah, this should. guy. And so literally the last three months, uh, these last three months, I'm finally getting in those doors where I'm like meeting great people that like, oh yeah, you should know this one. Oh, I can't do anything for you, but you should know these three people. And I was yeah. like, that's, that never happened in LA. No, not because once. everybody's hoarding their yeah. contacts. Yeah. Nobody it's like, like publicists, like they're not sharing their black book. They're like, yeah. nah, that'll no. be $10,000 if you want that book. No. Yeah. We're you know. here is kind of like, oh, okay, sure. Whatever. Yeah. You know, because there's so once, like I said, once you find your thing, so many jobs and then opportunities just come all the time. Yeah. You know, once you find your thing. So yeah, I, me and my family, we love Vegas. Like we'll never move. Like this is yeah. it. This house, this is it. This is it. I, I haven't gotten to love yet. I'm still, okay. I'm still I'm on like, love. as soon as I have my thing, because my things are all over. Like I'm going on tour with Postmodern Jukebox in a month. I, I, you know, I have this record deal with this other yeah side project, but it's not a side project. It's a full-time project. Like I, direct all the music videos. I make the merchandise. I get everything. You know what I mean? And then I have like my Blake Lewis solo album yep. that I'm going to do. And then it's like, all right, I have to like find time to like get the show off the ground in any way, shape or form. You know, I'm, I'm playing this weekend doing a little fun thing with my loop pedals at cheap shot, which is the burlesque joint on Fremont okay. that just opened up really, really small little like, you know, Velvet red, you know, like yeah. what you think of a burlesque a spot would be keeping it sexy, keeping it sexy, you know, and it's just fun. If I have mic envy, if I'm not on a mic, I'm like, I lose my mind. It's Me like, too. I feel like it's like 60, 70% of my happiness because like, there's nothing like the high I get than being in front of people, either making them laugh, smile, or like emote in a certain way that's uplifting. You know, and well, when you come by the comedy uh, cellar, when I perform one day, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'm going to bring you on stage. And I want you right. to mess with the craft. 
Right. I think that'd be amazing. Okay. We'll tape it and we'll put it out. Yeah. I think it, that's the whole thing is, man, um, you're going to find your thing here. You're a great person. I'm glad we reconnected through Ryan Cabrera's mm -hmm. party. Uh, yeah. It's so awesome that, you know, to see people still doing it, you know, uh, on their Pop 2K tour. But it's it's great, man. Yeah. It's great. How can people find you? I mean, everything's at Blake Lewis or at Blake Lewis. My, my website's Blake Lewis official. Um, the private language is my new band, which I'm very excited about. It's kind of like lo-fi stoner funk electronica. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, it doesn't sound like me. I like pitched my voice down a little bit. It, it was going to be completely conceptual and my, you know, me wouldn't, there wouldn't be a presence of me, but it's like, Oh, I still want to perform this stuff too. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? so, um, and that's fun. And that's with my, my drummer, KJ Saka, who's in a famous band called Pendulum, and he's mm -hmm. like an amazing drum and bass metal drummer, and and this isn't that, you know what I mean? So we're doing like two projects that aren't us, but it is, you know. So it's it, it's been really creative, and uh, that's the newest thing. We have a new single come, called In Paradise coming out. It's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Okay. Um, and uh, when's that drop? You working on it? Yeah. Well, we just mastered it. We're getting remixes. We're talking with the label. It's probably going to drop in a month. Okay. I'm guessing a month. Well, let us know. Um. Yeah, but that's it. You know. All right. Before we go, I do have two questions for you. Go for it. Ooh, all right. So about 15 years ago, you competed in American Idol. Uh, second place, of course, Jordan Sparks won. How is your relationship with her? Are you still talking to her? Do you keep that connection? Uh, the connection's there, but we haven't talked in years, to be honest. Yeah. Cool. And then quick one. Uh, earlier, I heard you doing these crazy sound effects, like beatboxing and stuff. Are there any other cool sound effects or impressions that, that you know how to do? Oh man, like, uh, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> it's like a plethora of like. Where, I know, like, like know. so. What what is? Uh, can you do any impersonations of anybody? I mean, I loved cartoons growing up. I used to like Earthling, Marvin, you know, The Martian. Dude, you're such a bastard. <laughs> Screw you guys. Okay, kid. Okay. I used to like do like a the full South when South Park aired is when I started beatboxing. Like I I can like like legit found what beatboxing was. I was always making noise as a kid, but like, I think it was August 97 or 98 that I don't know the date. Um, but that summer was like, Oh my gosh. And then when it got to winter, I was doing like a full scene from the show with all the characters. And I, I met an acapella group and I saw this beatbox and I was like, that's a thing. Like you're getting paid to do that. Like I've been doing that my whole life, not knowing it was a thing. And that's so I, that's where I say like comedy kind of changed my yeah. life because I had this conversation and I did all the voices for him and I told him like, yo, I'm coming to your next show in a week and I'm going to be a beatboxer. And he's like, all right, kid, whatever. And I came back and he was like, uh, who are you? What's your telephone number? Like you did this in a week. I've been doing this my whole, you know what I mean? And that's, that was my journey. That was like the start. But, um, that's cool. I love accent. I love it all. I love you well, know, you know, all the accents you can. No, what were you do. about to do? What were you, but, about you know, to I just in a world all that. I'm not good at that because I have yeah. a, I have a tenor voice and that's like a that takes yeah. like a baritone, you know. Uh, well, I do. I do. I think there'd be a cool idea. You make like um, when you go home, get your studio. I know your studio's up. You can make my intro for my show, like a five to ten second. intro. Oh, yeah. I'll do a little beatboxing. Yo, show. <laughs> You're live with Michael. Mike, 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 Michael. <laughs> you know. 
I think we got it. I think we got it. We, we I'll do a better one. Yeah, yeah. Dude, but thank you so much for stopping Dude, by, man. Appreciate it's it. It's been an honor, man. Yeah, man. Pleasure. And come out to the show. Anytime you want to come out, yes. you got to come out. I mean, I live right down the street. There so. you go. All right. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Right, Alex? I forgot to say it at the beginning of the podcast. Subscribe. He gets mad. Like and subscribe. Like, like and subscribe. Uh, we're building. It's awesome, man. We appreciate you watching the Yo Show. We'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.